On today's show, the Cavs have two open roster spots left. There's still some options on the market, including Christian Wood and Terrence Davis. Could the Cavs sign them or should they be interested? And we'll also tackle some other names on today's Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. What is up, everyone? Evan Damerell here once again for Wednesday's Locked On Cavs. As always, I am a credentialed member of the media covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland sports scene at large for my nonprofit publication, Write Down Euclid. You can find our work anywhere, but check us out. Uh, everything's free. It's never behind a paywall. And we are going to change the way Cleveland sports, news, culture, entertainment, and everything in between is covered forever just for you, the listener, reader, supporter. Also want to mention that today's episode of Locked On Cavs is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit fanduel.com forward slash locked on today to get started. And finally, thank you for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We're also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which features your team, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, every single day. And finally, 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 you're probably wondering why I'm wearing the same shirt for an episode days later, right? Well, <laughs> mental health and God works in mysterious ways. Speaking of God, let's speak of a man of the cloth, and I mean in that a man who wears an NBA uniform in Christian Wood. When looking at what Christian Wood brings to the table, it's all about offensive production. What makes Wood's impact unique, especially when looking at the Cavs overall, is that he provides floor spacing from the big man position, position, which is something Jared Allen, Damian Jones, or even Evan Mobley cannot give to the Cavaliers. Last season, Wood connected on 41.8, that's a big number, percent of his catch-and-shoot opportunities from three-point range. Overall, he can 37.6% of his three-point attempts as well. Wood can also be helpful as a rolling big man in the pick and roll, which Darius and Garland and Donovan Mitchell thrive in. For context, Wood connected on 74.1% of his attempts when within three feet of the basket. So, Wood on paper makes sense as a high-end bench big man, and even a guy who gets spot starting opportunities if Allen and Mobley were sidelined, right? Well... Yeah, if basketball was just an offense-only game and defense didn't matter. And when you start talking about defense, and I know Chris and I talked about this at length the other day, but I've been thinking about this more. I, I started to get uneasy with the thought of Christian Wood and how he would, would or how Wood would fit <laughs> with the Cavs. Christian Wood is not a player who's particularly switchable, and with a slim frame, even at six foot nine, he can get moved around a lot on the interior. Those things, along with an overall lack of effort, lead to a criticism that he received about his defense from every stop, whether that's Milwaukee, Detroit, New Orleans, Houston, and Dallas. He's been with a lot of teams over the last few years. And I know, like, if you look at how the Cavs have approached things in terms of just like focusing on shooting and offense and just kind of sacrificing that offensive upside or sacrificing that defensive potential for offensive upside, Wood kind of fits into that vein, but I feel like 
you're looking for a role player to fit in, not a star player. Like if the Cavs are going to make some sacrifices for the role players to fit better, that's fine. But when it comes to Christian Wood, I feel like they're going to have to overcommit and overcompensate for a lot of his defensive issues, especially if it is a lot of it's on effort and Jimmy Bickerstaff can't get in or get through to him because you don't want to be taxing your bigs, especially Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to cover for the interior issues. And you also don't want to watch Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell just get picked apart. And that's where the conversation kind of comes into the fold where you ask, is the juice worth the squeeze for the Cavs to sign Christian Wood? I'd say not, especially after talking about PJ Washington on Monday, like Washington, at least tries on the interior defensively while Wood doesn't. Sure, Washington is not the type of shooter Christian Wood is, but I just don't think the fit is as clean as a P.J. Washington would be with the Cavs versus Christian Wood, who was supposedly viewed as like a rising star, fell flat of those expectations, and is now really, really searching for some type of role in the NBA because it's clear he's not a star. He's a role player, and that's the key thing with Wood. He's a role player. Sure, he blossomed with the Pelicans and eventually parlayed that into a lucrative payday with the Houston Rockets, but we're a few months out from the start in trading camp and Wood still remains unsigned. It's been reported that he's looking for for more of a lucrative contract, but with money drying up across the league, he may have to settle for a minimum deal and, in turn, may be looking at this upcoming season like Kelly Oubre to make this an opportunity to land financial security and he could ta- compromise team play more than he already does due to his defensive concerns, and that just may not be worth it for a team like Cleveland who's looking to win and not help Christian Wood get his next payday. For that reason, after a long, long time of thinking, let me make sure I'm in frame for this YouTuber-type apology, I'm out on the Cleveland Cavaliers trying to go after Christian Wood, despite what I said before. If they go after P.J. Washington in a sign-and-trade, that makes a lot more sense for sure. But if this Cavs roster stays intact and they only have two open roster spots, a guy I have really warmed up to after breaking down a lot of his film is free agent swingman Terrence Davis. I'll talk more about why I like Davis's fit with Cleveland in a moment. First, I have to give a quick word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. As I had mentioned before, today's Lockdown Cavs is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on the MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets and up to $200 in bonus bets. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll get 200 bones in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to take a bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the official sports betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you're interested, sign up today and visit FanDuel.com forward slash Locked On to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com forward slash Locked On. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks again, everyone, for making Lots on Cavs your first listen every day. As you know, I am Evan Damerell. On Friday's episode, I will be diving deep into the mailbag and answering your questions about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Got a couple of good ones, actually, from people that aren't even fans of the team. But as I had mentioned before, before heading into break, 
The Cavs made shooting their number one priority this offseason, and other than Christian Wood, one of the best remaining shooters available is former, or possibly soon to be former, Sacramento Kings guard Terrence Davis. Last season, Davis averaged 6.7 points while shooting 36.6% from beyond the arc on 3.8 attempts in 13.1 minutes per game in the regular season. Arguably, his best performance came on November 15th versus the Brooklyn Nets when he scored 31 points on 12 of 16 shooting from the field, including 7 of 10 from beyond the arc. Davis also had 14 points and drilled 4 of 10 threes in Game 7 of the Kings' first round series against the Golden State Warriors after picking up several DNP coaches' decisions from head coach Mike Brown. I think it's clear that Davis is a really good player, and I think the fact that he was picking up these DNP CDs from Mike Brown is more so the fact that the Kings brought in Malik Monk. They brought in Kevin Herter. There's just guys that they brought in that maybe just are bigger, maybe have more upside than Davis does. But, like, he's still a pretty solid player because, all in all, Davis is a spark plug type of player that can run into a 20-point outing at any time while providing plenty of energy on the defensive end. And that's what really stuck out in that game against the Warriors in Game 7 is, like, he tried to hound Steph Curry and try to will the Kings to victory, but maybe it was a case of too little too late. And more importantly... Davis, and I think this is the biggest thing with him, is he showed he isn't afraid to take big shots in the playoffs. Like like I said, 4-10 from three-point range in Game 7 when the Kings were really looking uneasy and showing signs of youth of experience, and inexperience rather, and having a guy like that who is unafraid is huge for any team because role players shrink in the playoffs. And if you're the Cavs and you run into a similar issue like you did against the New York Knicks in this last pro season run they had and you only have maybe four or five viable players and you need an answer from somewhere. Davis is a guy whose name or number you could call on and say like, all right, Terrence, we need you to go out there and just kind of work within the flow of the offense. Cause he's really functions well as an off ball shooter and just try and unlock this offense for us. So we can kind of keep rolling and maybe build some confidence or just keep the defense honest. Whereas somebody like Isaac Okoro can't do, or like Donovan Mitchell shot just isn't going for him or Darius Garland's facing too much pressure. Like Terrence Davis could be a guy who, uh, bust open the valve a little bit to kind of get the Cavs flowing on offense a little bit better. And also, he's a dude who isn't upset with the fact that he may not play on some nights. And I think that is key as well in looking at some of these free agents we've mentioned before, whether it's Kelly Oubre or Christian Wood. Like, Terrence Davis is a dude who's like, okay, uh, I'm fine if I don't play for five, six games, but then like maybe I get a bit of a run on the back end of the rotation or I play mostly garbage time. But like when his number's called, he's ready. And... That's why in that lens, he can give a team known to get stagnant on offense a spark like the Cavs. And if the Cavs want to pay him a little bit more, just maybe more than the vet men, they do have reportedly $3.6 million remaining from their non-taxpayer middle exception after signing George Niang to the majority of it, which, of course, is slightly less than what Davis made last season in Sacramento. But if he's willing to talk shop with the Cavs, and I can say on good authorization and good just sourcing as well that like Davis is a player the Cavs are at least intrigued by they could structure the contract in a way that allows Davis to maybe cash out early if he's able to kind of show that he's still a positive impact player or to stick with Cleveland long term and they keep it on like a year by year basis and it just kind of worked his way until maybe he enters his prime because he's only 26 27 years old and of course this all does depend on whether or not Davis is willing to sign for a little less and not having a guaranteed spot in the rotation on a nightly basis because sure he was comfortable with it last season in Sacramento but does he want that to be consistently his career just long term and going forward sometimes 
that's just part of the issue with winning. And if Davis wants to be in a winning situation versus a not so winning situation, like it's reported that the Toronto Raptors are interested in him. And I think the Raptors are going to be objectively terrible next year. Like Davis can get up as many shots as he wants with the Raptors, but he may not be playing a lot of basketball, but with the Cavs, it's going to be certainly limited, but he could be playing for something a lot more meaningful down the line, especially as he enters his prime as a player. Either way, Let's take a quick breather one last time to ponder all the possibilities. And then we're going to have a lightning round to talk about all the remaining free agents that could be an option for the Cavs. And we're going to play a game of little, uh, a little game of yes or no smash or pass as the kids would say, but this is a PG show. So we're going to keep it clean, but yeah, we're going to talk about more of those in the next segment of locked on Cavs. All right, guys, as I promised, Editor Jake, if you can put in some thunder and lightning here, it's a lightning round. So let's get this going. Let's start with start with Terrence Ross. The 32-year-old Terrence Ross spent the final 21 games of last season in Phoenix after a buyout and showed he can play meaningful basketball in sporadic bursts. He's a guy that the Cavs have kind of never really approached despite being rumored about multiple times now, but it's a different situation. And I think him showing that he's comfortable playing not so impactful basketball, maybe similar to a cheaper option of Terrence Davis, could be something worth worth considering. I say yes to this one. Next guy on the list, Derek Jones Jr. With the Cavs, Derek Jones Jr. could step in as an emergency forward, shifting between a three and four, while probably battling Dean Wade for playing time in the rotation if he wants to crack it permanently. Jones has proven throughout his career to be a useful rotation player when he does play, thanks to his combination of athleticism, defense, and shooting touch. It would be a similar situation to what he has in Chicago, maybe a bit more winning just compared to how uncertain the Bulls are right now. So if Jones is fine with that, his agent is based in Cleveland. He's a guy I reported towards the beginning of free agency that could be an option for the Cavs because he does work out in Cleveland during the offseason. It's something I consider. So yeah, Derek Jones Jr., go ahead, Cavs. Sign until you're one of those last roster spots. Hamadou Diallo. Hamadou Diallo is a former slam dunk champion who plays more like a wing than a guard. Diallo's unreliable outside shot, he just made five threes last season, could be proved to be a deal-breaker for any team, especially a team like the Cavs that has prioritized shooting this offseason. And it just the juice may not be worth the squeeze. I think Hamadou Diallo either ends up back with the Pistons in some capacity, or he ends up playing overseas, or, or, or he ends up with another team that's rebuilding. So pass on this one. Another guy who's young is P.J. Dozier, and he could fill that Lamar Stevens role as a rugged defender and maybe a culture guy that guys gravitate to, but he's done jack nothing his six NBA seasons. I didn't believe P.J. Dozier was in the NBA for six years until I looked it up, but oh, the shot is not there. The injury concerns are there. I just think he's just too raw and unrefined as a player and just, man, not worth it. Pass. Next candidate is T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren is a bucket getter. We've known about that his entire career. But after losing nearly two full seasons to foot injuries, Warren has been unimpactful with his and his return season with the Brooklyn Nets and Phoenix Suns. Some teams may overlook his recent play, maybe like the Los Angeles Lakers or a team that needs a veteran presence or the Suns again, and hand him a minimum deal and see if he can kind of just give them a little bit of something off the bench. I just don't think it's going to be with the Cavaliers, though, because I just don't see a consistent path for a guy who just looks like he doesn't have it anymore. So I am passing on TJ Warren. Up next, let's talk about Bismack Biombo. I'm of the stance of using a roster spot on a big man at this point. The Cavs got Damian Jones, and they already have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen on the roster, and Isaiah Mobley waiting in the wings. Seems like a huge waste of a roster spot, especially for a team that could just use more help and depth on the perimeter. So pass on Bismack Biombo. 
Danny Green, meanwhile, is a player the Cavs could use because they could use more adults in an incredibly young locker room. And if Green is okay with not playing at this stage in his career and acting like a mentor, especially if he continues to take Isaac Okoro under his wing, it could make sense to bring him back. Yes. Let me breathe for a second. Justice Winslow, a bigger wing that cannot reliably shoot. If Isaac Okoro weren't on the roster, I'd say sure. But for now, pass. I like Justice Winslow as a player. He gives you a little bit of everything, but he cannot shoot. And sure, he's a really bigger wing who can defend every position on the floor. It's just not worth it. Moving on, Trenton Watford, Justice Winslow's former teammate in Portland. He's an energetic combo big who only turns 23 in November. He's put up good numbers on some bad Portland teams, but again, 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 Isaiah Mobley seems to be the in-house option over a player like Watford. So pass a Reno on that one. Finally, the last player we're going to talk about is Javante Green, who's a player I'm personally a fan of and of his game, who has showcased the ability to be one of the NBA's better defensive role players. His shot is still a work in progress despite being in the league for several years now, and he's 30 years old. And he'd more or less be the antithesis to Terrence Davis, where Davis is fine defensively, but the shooting, the shooting touch is what you really want, whereas Javante Green is a guy who is rock solid defensively, but the shot isn't super reliable, and maybe he's just fine as a shooter long term. So it's a tentative yes, but if it's your last roster spot and keeping that last roster spot open, you couldn't do bad with a guy like Javante Green. You couldn't do bad with a guy like Danny Green. You couldn't do bad with a guy like Derek Jones Jr. or even Terrence Ross or... Even Terrence Davis, too. I mean, we've talked about a lot of names here, whether it's Kelly Oubre, P.J. Washington, Christian Wood, Terrence Davis, and this really long list of Terrence Ross, Derek Jones Jr., Hamadou Diallo, P.J. Dozier, T.J. Warren, Bismack Biambo, Danny Green, Justice Winslow, and Trenton Watford, and Javante Green. There's a lot of guys the Cavs could consider with one of those last two roster spots, but I don't think they do anything too dramatic heading to training camp. Maybe they bring in another vet presence, but... Until then, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to think or what you think the Cavs should do, rather. Drop it in the comments below. Don't tell me on Twitter. Just drop it in the comments below. And I will be back Friday to answer more of your mailbag questions because I'm Evan Damerell. This is Locked On Cavs. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens. Our intro song was by our friends at Astro Radio. Chris Manning's not here. So until next time, bye-bye.